0: Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who
1: are making a difference. Hi, welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. We're on the Compliance Podcast Network, and you can also find us at our page at Corporate Compliance Insights. Um, one of our, my themes this time for the great women in compliance, as we call them semesters, is to focus on some of the OG members of the GWIC community. These are remarkable people and have been on this ride with us since day one. Um, Mary and I have learned so much from them and our podcast community has grown as a result. Amy Landry is one of those people. She has built a career path with some similarities to mine. We both like using the term nonlinear. And she is one of those people who makes and grows opportunities for herself, has built a remarkable network. And she is all now one of those people who benefits. See, I told you, I always mangle the middle. Tom, we're starting over. It's the first time this year I've done that. So it's a good day. So, <laughs> all right. Starting again. Uh, three, two, one. Hi, welcome to the Great Women in Compliance podcast with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. We're on the Compliance Podcast Network, and you can also find us at Corporate Compliance Insights on our webpage there. One of my themes for this Great Women in Compliance semester, as we call them, is to focus on some of the OG members of the GWIC community. These are remarkable people who've been on this ride with us since day one. Mary and I have both learned a lot from them, and our podcast and our community is much better for getting to know them. Amy Landry is one of those people. She has a career path with some similarities to mine in that we both believe our careers are nonlinear. She's also one of those people who makes opportunities for herself, builds a remarkable network, has helped out others, and benefits our whole community. Amy's role now is as an external and oversight risk analysis for Via Health, and before that she was at Cardinal Innovation Healthcare in a compliance and privacy role. She'll tell us a lot more about that and just thank you Amy, thank you so much for everything and thank you for being here.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here as I'm a huge fan of yours, Mary's, and the Great Women in Compliance podcast. Oh, and, and before we start, happy Data Privacy Day or Data Protection Day in the EU. Uh, I know we're recording it today and it'll post later, but just want to recognize that today, January 28th, is Data
1: Privacy Day. Yep. And if those of you who have not recognized it on January 28th, you will have the opportunity to do so today on February 2nd and every day, right? Exactly. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. So with that, why don't you talk a little bit about your your career, your your different paths, nonlinear, and as you started in retail management, and now you're an ethics and compliance leader. So tell us about it.
0: Sure. Well, as you referenced in the intro, I did take a little bit of a winding, a non-linear path. Growing up, I was um, I was so fascinated by the inner workings and relationship dynamics of government and business, people, culture, um, both here in the U.S. and then also abroad and how they all kind of work together to solve problems. So when I went off to college and I had to pick a major, I chose to, I chose to major in international studies in the field of international business. And with that, I also had to minor in a language and I chose Russian, Uh, you know, because I really thought at the time it was going to give me a great competitive advantage because Russia was considered the next big market for businesses to want to go into. Unfortunately, when I was getting ready to graduate, the mood on Russia started to switch and a lot of the job offers that I had originally obtained were drying up. So just sitting there and getting ready to graduate, I was like, what do I do? Um, So that's kind of how I fell into retail management. I was, you know, through college, I was working as a sales clerk for a department store in in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, And, um, and I probably ended up spending maybe seven, eight years in retail management, but I always felt that there was something missing, that, you know, I really wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I wasn't really passionate about going into work every day. So that's when I made my first career pivot after I went back to college to get my master's degree in international commerce and policy. But this time, when I was getting ready to graduate, um, a friend of mine actually put me in in contact with a former colleague of hers that was setting up his um, e-learning, his compliance e-learning company. So I went to go work for him. Um, I I stayed with his uh, company for about five years uh, working on e-learning um, projects, and then I moved over to another compliance vendor, and I spent seven years there.
1: Okay, wow. Um, and then um, in that, so then you, um, you know, you moved on to where you are right now. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about your in-house role later, um, but let's also talk a bit about how you networked to get there and how you, you know, reached out and gotten close to others through that process.
0: Sure. I really have to um I really have to thank the connectors that I actually already had in my network that really helped me grow it. You know, one of those earlier connectors was Mary Shirley. You know, Mary and I met about 10 years ago because one of her former organizations was a client of mine. And then we crossed paths again when we both worked at the red flag group. So you know, when she went off and left the Red Fly Group, you know we still kind of kept in touch as we bounced in, you know, bounced into each other at, at different conferences. So we still kept, were able to keep in touch with each other. But Mira was one of those first contacts that I reached out to when I was laid off um, in 2020, and she was so nice to connect me to a few of the people. Like you were one of those, Lisa, um, in her network that um, that I then went and set up some short informational meetings with. And then what I found in each one of those meetings, I was introduced and connected with additional people. Plus, I was also, uh, you know, asked to join a couple mentoring groups. So that's how I was able to reach out and then connect with um, individuals and build my network. But I have to say one piece of advice, you know, it doesn't end with just making the connection. You have to continue to nurture those relationships, you know, by being genuine in your conversations with your connections and and really making it a two-way street so that you're not always asking the connection for something, you're also giving back to them whenever you can.
1: Well, it's always fun, and I will say one thing we have in common is that Mary who was also my first compliance friend. Um, <laughs> I saw her present once, and I decided that I was going to get in touch with her and stay in touch. I don't think we realized eventually we'd become podcast spouses, but she was somebody who helped build that too. And and I think that that, you know, it is a really helpful approach as well, because something about when you're trying to get to know people and build a network and sort of learning about what other people do, I think it helps you learn a lot about what you do want to do and what you might not want to. Um, oh,
0: exactly. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of us out there that Mary Shirley with our very first. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, when you would follow up, how did you, you you did informational meetings and you would follow up. How did you keep yourself center of mind on that? And how did you decide, you know, what directions to go into as, as you went through that process?
0: I mean, I really, I really cast a very wide net. I really made sure that I didn't, you know, keep it very narrow. I really wanted to make sure that um, because I'm, you know, looking at my career, trajectory. I mean, again, I had retail management. I worked for compliance and ethics vendors doing e-learning, um, you know, implementation of third-party onboarding software. So I had, you know, a little bit of compliance, a little bit of privacy, a little bit of cybersecurity or information security. So I, I had the whole gamut and I really, really made it... Um, you know, per, you know, very important that I didn't want to just kind of pigeonhole myself into just one area of my network. I wanted to grow, and and you know, get a wide perspective of, um, you know, thoughts and what people did and guidance from a lot of different um, individuals.
1: And, and you mentioned it earlier. You st- a lot of this was during 2020, right? You know, as a result of COVID. Um, and, you know, you built some really good opportunities for that. And you were also one of those people who's been very open about your job search, things you're looking for. Um, and I, I mean, I remember at one point when you you said, I'm going to, um, you know, I want to start this blog and we'll talk about that because that was, I think, has really helped a lot of people. But while you were initially in that sort of moment of starting to look um, you know, what did you do, you know in that in that time to kind of help you both get through it and figure out what's next?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I when I talked a little bit, I mean, again, i I really casted that wide net. I mean, I really didn't say no to talking to a connection, you know, even if that wasn't maybe in an area that I was looking to, I mean, I still thought there would be some value in in talking to somebody and get a different perspective. So it picks up a lot of great advice from those informational meetings. And, you know, one of those, one of the pieces of advice I, I got was being able to tell your career story. So I really wanted to make sure that I was able to connect my experience and my skills of leading global e-learning training, software implementation projects, you know, with my knowledge of managing data privacy as a data processor under GDPR and then the elements of an effective compliance program. But then I also wanted to fill in any gaps um, that I had with additional learnings. And this actually also provided me an outlet to be doing something while I was laid (laughs) off besides job searching. You know, so by picking up certifications in privacy, cybersecurity to go along with my compliance and ethics certification and knowledge, I really was able to cast a wider net in my job search.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I, you know, when I was looking between roles, I, I said I alluded to it a minute ago. A lot of I talked to everybody, and I wanted to learn what they liked, what they didn't, what was important to me. Um, became very clear. One advantage that you and I talked about that I had that you didn't, I also had it, it being a non COVID period of time. And it was a short enough gap, but I was able to do things like go to the Smithsonian for free in the afternoon, see a movie. Like there was a, there was a mental health and a health care, like a personal, you know, growth component that I think was easier to that period of time. Um, that I think might, must have been a real challenge. For during COVID because you didn't have the same outlets and it was still the weather wasn't great initially. So,
0: well, yeah, I mean, so yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I'm in the DC metro area, but I'm not within walking distance to the Smithsonian, right. But, you know, I mean what I, I, but I do like to be outdoors. And right. so I did find myself doing a lot of walking and I started running again and I ran a lot of virtual five K's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, I was trying to balance, you know, time between, doing you know my job searching I had to do you know I wanted to I had a goal of like you know looking and applying to so many jobs a day and, and tracking where I was but you know I had that I was doing my you know CIP certification I did a cyber security class um you know I was blogging about my experience and I know we'll talk a little bit more of that and, but again I was also trying to get out and and you know go for a hike and go for a run and just kind of like just give myself some time to process everything, not think about it, you know, just enjoy being out, you know, in nature.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that makes all of the difference. Um, So, um, you know, let's talk, I mentioned the blog and you you started that and it turned out to be a great resource for others and also something that really made an impact on you. Yeah.
0: I mean, I actually, that, that came about because of another piece of advice that I got in an informational meeting. <laughs> you know, somebody had suggested, you know, way to kind of, because, you know, the, you, when you're going through a job search, whether, you know, it's now during COVID or what what have you, they always tell you that, you know, you can't just, you know, apply to a job and just sit. sit. You have to kind of network and get, you know, try to get to know somebody Uh, maybe in the company that you can kind of connect with and maybe help bring your resume up to the top so it doesn't get lost in the ATS. So, so somebody gave me a piece of advice about, you know, blogging about, you know, my, you know, kind of like blogging to be a thought leader and sharing my insights. So I took that and, um, and I thought about, okay, what can I do? Because I was at first, I was like, Oh, my gosh, what am I gonna be able to write about? <laughs> and then I started writing about, you know, my journey, you know, how I was how I went about building my network and how I worked on developing and growing my own skills and knowledge. So but yeah, I, I was, and I'm, thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I mean, that was a fear when I first started, I wasn't really sure if it would resonate with anybody and I would, people would find it very valuable, but in writing it, I did get a lot of people come up to me and say, thank you, because they're like, you know, you voiced something that I was struggling with, or, you know, you gave me some courage to, you know, share what I was feeling. So that was very rewarding.
1: It was yeah. also very therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that it was one of those things that, you know, when you're first going, at least when I was first going through the process and it was, you know, you, you don't know what and how and where to share. And, and one of the things that I, I learned was just by connecting and, you know, talking about what I wanted to do or didn't, or even some of the vulnerabilities related to it. It I learned a lot about what professionally, but also personally and about all different networks, whether they were people I knew through work compliance or in my personal life where people were more focused on how are you feeling not oh boy where what do you do all day um exactly yeah I mean it really it really gave
0: me the time and an opportunity to sit there and think what do I really want to do you know I, I you know I've been going on this path for you know almost 13 years on the vendor side and I was like do I want to continue on that path do I want to still work for the compliance and ethics vendors you know or do I want to, you know, make a switch? So it really gave me that opportunity and that time to really start thinking, what do I want to do with the rest of my
1: career? Which brings me to the next thing. You <laughs> you made some decisions. You you decided to the word that's so popular these days is pivot. Um yeah. and um sort of like pivot is the new synergy, maybe. Um, but <laughs> I think what was so remarkable, I mean, you made that decision, you did a lot of thought process. How did you? basically come to that realization and then how did you act on it
0: well the the funny the funny thing was I I, I'd always thought about it and I actually had talked to a former sales guy um that I worked with and we were you know we had talked about it for a couple of years and I was like you know what I think I want to go in-house I want to switch over and go in-house I mean ultimately you know I would like to be that chief ethics and compliance officer like that's kind of like where I want to be and you know he was you know we're and we're talking he was like you know I think you would be good at that, but then you know ever, ever you know that conversation you know took years. Why I was like, well, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not. I don't. And maybe I won't do it. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But I kind of went back and forth for a while, you know, thinking about making that jump. But I had to really say when I was, you know, when I got laid off, it, you know, God, it lit something in me, and it really, I guess, gave me the opportunity to think, really, what do I want to do. You know, and if I'm not going to make that leap, that jump now, when I don't have anything, when am I going to do it? So I think really being laid off really kind of gave me that that courage or that push, that really that final push I needed to make that jump from the vendor side to an in-house, and you know, it, and it worked out. I landed my my role with Cardinal Innovations last year. Um, and I worked on, you know, training and communication. I do have to say, kind of going back to my my certification that I was doing while I was um, trying to find a job. So, you know, I have to say, getting my certified information privacy certification really come, came in handy because, you know, for Cardinal Innovations and my now organization, VIA, in healthcare, we deal with HIPAA every day in what we do. So being able to understand HIPAA, And privacy laws is really critical for what I do on a
1: daily basis now. I mean, I think if I were to do another certification at some point, that would be what I'd want to do to understand it better. Less than necessarily for the certification at this point, but you know, that forces you to learn what the key things are and um, you know what what you want to do next. Um,
0: Knowledge knowledge is power.
1: It it is, and it's learning. That's my key motto. That's, I mean, not that I normally talk about my current job, but always learning is the Pearson motto. Um, and, you know, some days it's sort of like, I've, I've learned enough for today, I need a nap. But, <laughs> you know, we have some days that are better and worse than others, but it is a really important thing. And I think I think the relationship between the areas is huge. And I think it will only, you know, help more as as time goes on, because it, these issues are just getting more and more complex, like, I mean, AI and all of these things that we talk about so much.
0: And then for a while there, they were all very siloed. You know, it was like you have your compliance and ethics channel here, you have privacy here, information security, cybersecurity here, risk, you know, they're all kind of very siloed. And then I think eventually, and we're starting to see it, but eventually things are starting to kind of merge together. And you really understand, like, look, we're all kind of on a similar path. And we're trying to do the same thing within our organization. We want to do the right thing. We want to do the ethical thing for both our organization, our employees, our customers, you know, our suppliers and vendors. We all want to do the right thing. So um, I think eventually we'll kind of see some more synergy between everything. <laughs> it's interesting
1: that that balance between everything trying to to you know to, to collaborate and to work together versus the idea of we can only do so much. How do we all do it most efficiently? I think that's the direction we're going. It isn't now like stay out of my, my work. It is, or don't, you know, scope creep, but it's more like we, yeah. we can't in ethics and compliance, we can't own everything. Like when it comes to ESG, which is, we we're really good with the G, but I mean, yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody needs us to take over the environmental, the E part. Um unless you have that background um and i do not <laughs> I don't <either. laughs> i'm like I'm, I'm zero emissions you know you know anything that's that's a beast to itself <laughs> right that's how I, I can't learn that i mean i'm getting too old for that but um the next you know the other thing we're talking about certifications but i think another area that i think is is great and i think um especially as we are starting now the next two months is black History Month in the us and then women's history Month. you know you have done recently had a certification the university of South Florida in DEI. Can you talk about the program first and then also how it relates to the work that you do in ethics and compliance?
0: Sure. So, so last spring, I saw um, a lot of um, my colleagues in my network had posted about it. So last spring, um, USF, along with Jable and the Tampa Bay Lightning, offered a diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace certificate. Uh, unfortunately, I missed the cutoff to do the initial live version, but they, you know, USF was wonderful. They um, actually offered certification again during the fall using a lot of the recorded content from their initial offering. So the program consisted of seven two hour modules broken out into lectures by USF um, faculty. And then real-world implementation discussions on um, many of the DEI initiatives around whatever that module topic was. Let's say understanding your organization or how to recruit and retain. Mm -hmm. And then to receive the certificate, you had to pass a quiz on each module. So you had to take seven quizzes, pass each one of that, and then you are able to get that certification.
1: And... um... How does, you know, how does that impact what you're doing now? And you know, just to talk a little bit about how the relationship between DEI and um, ethics and compliance.
0: Huh. So the, the theme of the DEI program was, where is your organization on the DEI journey? Is it at the beginning? Is it at the middle? And, and really to understand that it is a journey and that everyone's gonna be at different stages and that's okay. Um, where I think how DE and I and ethics and compliance relate is ethics and compliance is also a journey. We may be a little bit further along in that journey because we've been able to practice it a little bit more and we've been around a little bit more, but we're also it's also a journey. We're learning um and you know, we're trying to expand. Um, you know, ethics and compliance throughout our organization.
1: I also think that in the midst of this, one of the other things I was just learning about, about implicit bias, and this was yesterday, Mm then a presentation that I think is just fascinating and the power of words. I think I am a lawyer. um, So words have always been important to me in writing. But I also think that we have, um, you know, the idea of, Using the more I think about gender non-specific terms mm-hmm. that I haven't thought about, or other things, or signaling, you know, the one that when that somebody talked about saying kings and queens versus royalty. This is a small thing, yeah. but it's, so I mean, I, when I think about journeys, I think about how do we word what we're doing in a way that is inclusive, that is encouraging people to feel comfortable and to raise concerns. Um, and I'm nowhere near. I'm, I'm very early on some of that part of the journey, um, but I, I think it's one of those things that you know, trying to figure out how we make our world feel more inclusive, even if we don't realize there's a gap.
0: Exactly, and 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 that's you know, I mean, so one of the things that I, I, I did at Cardinal was I definitely joined. So we had um we had a um, head of DE and I, and she would do really um, great job of offering every month. You know, a, a listen and learn kind of, uh, you know, like grab your lunch, bring your lunch, and we're going to like, you know, learn and talk about a certain topic. And bias was one of it, microaggressions was another one. And it was very enlightening to realize, you know, as you said, you know, certain words you always used. It's just common knowledge, like you guys. I, you know, I, I you know, being from like the, the DMV area, you know, the Northeast, you know, I always would say you guys, you know, to kind of, and realizing that was not right. I should not be saying that. But it was, you know, it was, it was nice to have that, you know, space to be able to listen and 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 talk about things and and hear from different people's perspectives, and you know, how maybe something that I thought was normal really made that person feel, you know, uncomfortable or, or, you know, so that was a great, great opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys is still a battle that I occasionally I I have, but I I recognize it now. And, you know, the other thing is on things like that is even if I don't feel that in my mind, it might be gender specific, it is. And to just learn some of that is so hugely important. Um, But this is great. Is there anything else, you know, from your viewpoint, you know, you know, some piece of hard one, one wisdom or, you know, comment or thing to think about you'd want to share with um, the the group before we um, leave today?
0: Um, Sure. I mean, obviously, again, you know, we're all on, we're all on a, you know, a journey. I mean, we're all, you know, life is a journey. Our careers are a journey. DE&I is a journey. Ethics is a journey. Everything is a journey. And I would just probably say, is just honor where you are in that journey and know that, you know what, you're going to make mistakes we're human. We make mistakes, but acknowledge when you do learn from it and grow.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting. And I just, it made me think about something real. uh, in the middle of my career. It's a while ago now, Um, but I was working with somebody and it was a really junior um, male. He was, you know, two or three years out of college and it was one of his first, It's was probably his first job and something went wrong. And I said, look, that was my mistake. I'm really sorry. You know, it was inconvenient, but let's, you know, now how can we fix it? And I remember he just looked at me and said, this is the first time anyone senior to me has ever said they made a mistake. I said, well, this way. And I just thought that was fascinating because he had already been in a culture for a short period of time of people not owning mistakes, and just sort of figuring out how to fix them. I said, but I said, well, and you know, as you grow in your career, admit your mistakes because you see it's not the end of the world. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Oh, I love that. <laughs>
1: so, well with that, you know, I think hopefully I'll only make a few mistakes for the rest of the day, but again, <laughs> this, this compliance community and people like you help make us move forward and have the, the confidence and ability to, to, to have an open space to do that and to learn more. So On behalf of Mary, me, the podcast network, thank you so much for for joining me today. And thanks for all you do.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.